Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday. It's the last Sunday of the month. And guess what? We turn the page. It is fight week, folks. That's right. UFC 285 takes place on Saturday. And Goes and I will be hosting a watch along here on MMA Junkie. We will give you many reminders throughout the week. There's your first one Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the pay-per-view, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for the four fights on the prelims. UFC 285 watch along with Gorgeous George and Goes. And on today's show, we're going to cover UFC Fight Night 220, which took place this past Saturday here in Las Vegas. Also, Bellator 291. There was a PFL Challenger Series yet again. BKFC, they threw their hat into the ring. We'll talk a little bit about that. One on Prime Video 7. Holy cow. They had a show as well. They had a title fight. We will mention that. And a few other things. News nuggets, the celebration of life for Stefan Bonner, and whatever else hits us uh, here in the next 60 minutes or so. So buckle up. Forgot to mention Jake Paul. He fought as well. We'll have to chat, we'll have to chat about that. Um, because like it or not, we've covered Jake Paul. And usually goes, we can attach ourselves to the fact that he's fighting an MMA guy. This time he wasn't. But it doesn't mean that Jake Paul hasn't grown on me. How about you? He's grown on me. He's made things fun. He's made things interesting. And for as goofy as he can be at times or annoying, mm-hmm. I like the fact that he doesn't disrespect boxing. You know, yeah. he always comes prepared. Seems like he trains. It seems like he tries to get better. I'm down with that. Let's go in order, though. On Friday, PFL Challenger Series 5 took place uh, on Fubo t- uh, TV. And look, what I want to do mostly with this is remind you all that on our website, which you can access through the fabulous free app that we have on all tablets and smartphones, you can check the results of all these fight cards in case you have a training partner that might be part of the challenger series, or you might've made a bet that you forgot about or whatever. There's so much going on. The tab at the top with the schedule and the results, that'll kind of give you uh, all the info you're looking for, for fights that are upcoming schedule or fights that took place results. But really quick, uh, Caitlin Neal defeated Catherine Corogenes or Corogenes. Shanna Young defeated Sandra Lovato. Desiree Yanez defeated Myra Mazar, and Lisa Malden defeated Helen Peralta. Now, the winner, I guess the one you could say, oh, sorry, I don't have that info. I'm not even sure who advanced goes from the Challenger Series. I apologize. I thought I had it here. But uh, these are just the winners for uh, this weekend, which was the uh, ladies being in action. That's all Mm -hmm. I that's about all I have to say about that. Do you happen to know who advanced? Because I haven't been following it. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Okay, I'll get it for you guys. Um, it's eight challenger series, and we're on five. If I I've only tuned into one. And I love PFL. I know I love PFL more than most people. It's just PFL needs to learn a lesson that if someone who loves them and supports them says enough, then you all gotta figure it out because uh on a friday night mm, man maybe i like what dana white did tuesday night you know he's not bothering anyone or whatever but on a friday night i'm either looking to get out which i don't do as often i'm not trying to be party party george playboy george or anything like that or i'm at least probably watching uh some other form of entertainment mm-hmm. that's what i'd like for them to get out of it but uh yeah there you go man Five down, three to go with PFL Challenger Series every Friday night on Fubo TV. The next thing that took place, Prime, sorry, one on Prime Video 7, Lineker versus Andrade 2. We have a new champion. Andrade finished Lineker. Fabricio Andrade finished Lineker, and he is now the new Bantamweight champion over there at one championship. 
He knocked them out in round four, or corner stoppage, I guess is what you could call it. Other winners that night, Martin Wynn, who's a former champion for that organization, and Danny Kingod. Now, it's a hybrid card that also had other types of forms of combat in there as well. Not really any recognizable names, I think, to most MMA fans. So that's about it. Goes, I think, highly of Lineker because I'm reminded of the good run he had at Flyweight, even though he missed weight a lot. He won some fights, and he was right, prime, and ready to, to uh, you know, to I guess become a world champion. But he just couldn't sort out his weight, right? And so he moved to thirty-five. But this guy, let's not forget, he beat Brian Kelleher, Marlon Vera, Michael McDonald, Rob Font. Um, he had one other big name, Bibiano Fernandez. Like this guy's no joke, man. Uh, for so for someone to take him out, you know, I, I knew that other guy had to be a beast. So I'm definitely keeping an eye on Fabricio Andrade from one championship. That's definitely a good skin to the wall, a skin on your wall. You know, that dude hits really hard. He's a tough fighter. So to be able to have a win, a finish over him, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, he beat um, Francisco Rivera. He beat Ian McCall back in the day. So he was getting down at two different excuse me, weight classes, but mm-hmm. what, what always got him was the uh, <coughs> weight. He just couldn't make weight. Sometimes he, w- he would even fumble the 135, so I think he just wasn't very disciplined. But anyways, we will move on. Bellator 291 took place early on Saturday, and we had Yaroslav Amasov returning after one year. Remember, this is the Ukrainian fighter, their undisputed welterweight champion, who kind of had to put fighting on hold to help defend his country. And he, along with, I believe, uh, Lomachenko and a few other athletes or former athletes, actually took up arms and, you know, defended their countries. You know, some did it for extended periods of time. Others may have done it, you know, participating and, you know, doing, doing it while they could. But uh, Yaroslav Amosov, that that that's why they went the route of the interim title there with that Logan Storley wind up winning. So they actually had a unification bout between Storley and Amosov, and Amosov just had his way, man. This guy is the real deal. He's twenty seven and zero, and Logan Storley's no joke. Now he's beating him twice, so Logan Storley has a decision to make as far as what's he's what he's going to do because he's zero and two against the champ. One of them being in a title fight. But, uh, yeah, this is tremendous for Yaroslav Amosov, who will probably get a bump in the rankings. No, I thought the whole situation was going to be a little too much for Amosov. And I thought, you think, you know, Logan Storley, this is all he's had to deal with, right? This is what he's focused on. I thought it'd be too much, but uh, he might have looked better than when he left. I mean, he, he looked pretty amazing. He had his way with Storley. That is a very, very impressive win and could be the makings of a, a very, very strong run. And now when Scott Coker says we got the number one guy in fill-in-the-blank division, this is one that you can't really just chuckle at. Mm-hmm. You know, he's made certain points in the past, and we either have a chuckle or we say, okay, okay, you're not crazy because we see how a, fight, a certain fighter could be a, a, a tough matchup for the UFC champ. Uh, this is one where you can actually say Yaroslav Amosov is, is a problem, and I could see him being a problem for Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is the current champ. I expect Kamaru Usman to reclaim his belt in about one month. But to be fair, that fight has to play out. They're 1-1. I'm just going off the facts, and the facts is right now, Edwards is champ. I think Yaroslav Amosov could beat uh, Leon Edwards. Because let me tell you something. I'm not saying he, he would be smart for him to strike with Edwards for five rounds. I, I I think Edwards would probably get the best of them there. But this dude was – his striking was was uh, better than Storley's, and his wrestling was better than Storley's. Storley had no answer to him. And the thing is, Storley's main strength is his wrestling. And Yar- Yaroslav Amosov can also wrestle, right? Um, but the thing is, Storley – I thought used fight bad fighter IQ because when he realized he couldn't take Amosov down, he decided to kickbox. And he's just not a good enough kickboxer to win a world title. 
but he's a good enough wrestler to win the world title. And this is what I would say that Logan Storley hopefully gets from this. GSP fought a lot of guys that wrestled in college. GSP didn't wrestle in college, but GSP earned the, the art of the takedown from timing and explosion. He was able to beat Matt Hughes. He was able to beat Josh Koscheck. He was able to beat Jake Shields. All guys that wrestled um, collegiate wrestling. And Koscheck, for crying out loud, was a national champion. John Fitch is another one I got to throw in there. And I'm probably missing a few as well. But this guy would just explode on you, get you down, control you, hold you down, and and, and then beat you up. And I hope more wrestlers who, who try the takedown and fail – would, would at least try and adapt a little bit their game uh, and work a little bit off timing. Because I did see some holes where Yaroslav, when he would strike, maybe Logan Storley could, could catch him off balance and explode. But that's what made GSP so special, man. Yeah, um, that that's – I don't know. Two losses to him is going to be rough. I don't know where he does go from here. But the question that Scott Coker brought up or that he addressed – is interesting because if you want to know if Amasov, I might be able to say he is the best welterweight champion right now, but I don't know that I can say he's the best welterweight on the planet, right? If you look at, um, you know, look at Leon Edwards, the way he won the belt, he won it, and that's impressive, but there's not much other than that to go off of, right? Uh, Kamaro Usman, his the only thing that stops us from saying it's him is the fact that he just lost to Leon Edwards, right? Right. If he won that rematch tomorrow, I don't think any of us would would even be having this discussion. So it's a difficult question, but I will say this: if Amosov just keeps fighting the way he is and keeps improving, then now you got a real, real discussion. You know, if Kamaro Usman does come back and regain his title. You have a very good discussion there. Yeah, this is true. That's a good way of putting it. He may not, he he's probably the best champion, but he might not be the best welterweight. Yeah, I mean, look, we always say Colby Covington's a nightmare, George. I know. Yeah, yeah. The road to the title is is what's tough. Having to have to beat all these specialists along the way you know, while winning, and then when you get there, you're greeted by a guy named Kamar Usman. That's been the story the last three years. Leon Edwards figured it out. But um, Yaroslav Amasov showed me a lot, um, and then he's got a great training partner in Johnny Eblem over at American Top Team, and it looks like these guys are pushing each other. So, you know, Johnny Evelyn's kind of the other guy that I think Scott Coker's pointing to, like, hey, my champ can take out their champ because Alex Pajeda looks so poor on the ground. Granted, can you get him down without eating a knee or some strikes? That's a whole other question. And it's one that I don't want to spend too much time on because they're, unless one guy leaves the organization, it's just not going to happen for now, right? We can only speculate on what might happen. But I just haven't seen that much out of Pajeda, honestly, because he hasn't been in MMA for – 10 fights, I think. I think he's 8-1 and one or something like that, so he hasn't even been there that long. And what I saw him on the ground, he ain't got nothing for Evelyn. But, again, we're spending too much time on a what-if. Uh, I never thought I'd say that, by the way. Yeah, so really. I just want to give him props. And Jeremy Kennedy, he defeated Pedro Carvalho. Jeremy's a guy that we see a lot at Extreme Couture. I want to congratulate him on the win. He was calling for a title fight against Pitbull Frady. The problem is this wasn't an oomph fight, at least for me. He won. He dominated. He beat the local guy, 30-27 across the board. But even though he grabbed the mic and said what he wanted, I just don't know that he left the fans with the feeling of, well, oh, yep, yep, that's the guy. Now, Jeremy was 3-1 and one in the UFC over at Bellator. He's done very well. He's 19-3 and three overall, and he's taken out some good, good fighters along the way. I know he's won. Uh, Emmanuel Sanchez is another, and I think he's only lost to Adam Borix, who was a title contender himself. But I wish Jeremy maybe would have gotten that finish. Um, mm -hmm. He didn't. He got the dub, and that's fine. He said he didn't feel good throughout the week. Um, so what are you going to do? You know, I, I, I just think this one was ripe for the picking for him to really, really not only win the fight, but secure the title shot. Right now, I don't know if he secured it. 
Did you watch this fight? What did you think about Jeremy mm-hmm. Kennedy over Pedro Carvalho? Yeah, I'm a little torn on this because had he come out there and just completely like killed Carvalho early, let's say, it would have been a statement. But at the same time, the fact that he was able to dominate the way he did said a lot too. It showed a lot of his skill set. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes people want to have that question. Well, what would that fight look like? Right. So I don't know which one would, would have been the better result for him. Cause had he gotten the quick KO, I think people would still be playing the, we got questions game, maybe a little bit where this dominant performance shows that he's a really good fighter. Yeah. I don't know. But, um, for him to fight the way he did and control things the way, like he, he didn't have any moments where it, he seemed like he was out of control in that fight. It was a really, really good performance. And to fly across the world to do it, too. Um, I'm in, dude. I'm down on that fight. I like it. Yeah, and if it happens, I'll support it, too. I just think he would have made himself a little bit more of a case where, like, on Monday, more people are talking about Jeremy Kennedy uh, than will be the case. I think a lot of people are going to focus on Yaroslav Amosov, who's a great fighter. Had a great performance, and then he's got that story. I mean, we didn't even touch too much about Ukraine, the one-year anniversary, and how touching it was. But that's kind of what I wanted for Jeremy. I want the best for Jeremy because he's an extreme couture guy, and um, I'm never going to, like, openly cheerlead over and over and over for the guys, but I think we've made ourselves pretty transparent when it comes to that, that, hey, look, you know, I hope they have a great performance and maximize their opportunity that they they had here. Um, but, hey, he won, and that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. Bryce Logan defeated Peter Queeley. Sinead Kavanaugh defeated Janae Harding. And Sheeran Clark defeated Leandro Sinise. Those were kind of all the big names, I guess, on the card. Honestly, they had a lot of fights, man. They started really, really early in the day on Saturday because of the time difference. Um, but I just wanted to go over the main card and move on because there's a lot to cover. All right. We also had UFC fight night. 20 and that was supposed to feature brenda um ryan span versus uh nikita krylov and nikita krylov pulled out with about an hour or two before he was supposed to fight he was sick they couldn't the doctors couldn't clear him and so basically we were told at that point he's out Span's disappointed, and Allen and Brendan Allen and Andre Muniz are your new main event. Now, I was bummed out because I really wanted to see these two guys throw down these 205ers. But at least we didn't hear, oh, torn labrum, ACL, Achilles heel, like something where where you fear you fear the fighter's gonna be out nine months to a year. He was sick. I think this is a fight they can preserve and just maybe shove it in on the Miami card or maybe they move them to London. Like Dana said, because he asked, he was asked this, um, could they could they turn it around and fight next week? No, nah, that's kind of too soon because remember, these guys went through the weight cut mm-hmm. and then they rehydrated and then this was day of the fight. I don't think you want to give these guys back-to-back weight cuts like that, you know, from one week to the next. I mean, maybe if they were heavyweights, they could pull it off. Because there is no weight cut, where there or there usually isn't. But in this case, maybe they can move them to the London card. There's two pay per views in in March, so maybe the second one or move them to Miami, which is in early April. And I would be fine with that. Yeah, what a change of events, you know. And and if that happens, great, because it is a fight that I would hope they keep intact. I would want to see it. It's kind of sad, you know, to see them talking to Span and his reaction and just feeling bad for. All the people that helped him get to where he was, his coaches, he feel like he felt like he left them down. It was hard for him to speak, you yeah. know. But uh, I hope the match stays intact, and I, I hope we do get to see it. Yeah, well, it wasn't as bad, right? No, I mean he can't just go out there by himself. He's got to have an opponent, and that opponent couldn't make it to the dance. And <clears throat> like Gus Johnson once said, these things happen in MMA. They here's do. how here's how the card unfolded. Um, Nurilo Aliyev, let me get my glasses here so I don't butcher names. Uh, Nurilo Aliyev defeated uh, Rafael Alves. This was a majority decision. It was the first fight of the night. 
And I kind of like this Aliyev guy. But one thing I didn't like was he bit his opponent. <laughs> and other than the alleged incident between Ronda on Liz Carmouche's forearm, I don't think I've ever heard of a bite in MMA. Yeah, I've seen it in soccer. Wes Sims, remember he had the big bite marks on his Oh, chest? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, that's two then. So, um, congrats to him, but biting? Seriously? What, you know, I don't know. Joe Selecki defeated Carl Deaton third. He rear naked choked him. O'Day Osborne, shout out to him. He got a win over Charles Johnson. That was, a, <coughs> excuse me, a tough win for him. And we've gotten to know O'Day because he's done a couple of our watch-alongs. So I was happy for him. Mm-hmm. And Charles Johnson's tough because Charles Johnson's a really good wrestler with great cardio um, and an improving striker. And I knew O'Day Osborne has his strength, which is the striking realm. But I thought Charles Johnson probably would have the better cardio and the better wrestling. But he wasn't able to keep O'Day down when he took him down. O'Day was able to get back up, and O'Day dug deep, even though he was tiring more of the two. He was able to dig deep. He deserved that win, man. Good for O'Day Osborne. Uh, Twelve and five now overall, and now four and one in the UFC. Jordan Levitt defeated Victor Martinez. First KO stoppage, I believe, for Levitt, the wrestler from Las Vegas. Uh, Jasmine Jasudavicious defeated Gabriela Fernandez. Very impressive. She thirty twenty six her across the board. Trevor Peak defeated Eric Gonzalez. Boy, goes that Trevor Peak. I haven't seen too many fighters that throw every single strike with bad intentions like this guy. <laughs> I mean, this guy's got heavy hands, heavy feet, heavy shins, heavy knees. Holy cow, man. It's a striking machine, huh? Yeah. You just got to hope he doesn't fade, you know. But if you can get the job done, you're in for fucking a world of hurt. Yeah. Um. In the main card, Mike Malat, Malat defeated Johan Lanais, submission via arm triangle. Tatiana Suarez back after almost four years. She defeated Montana De La Rosa. She also got a submission via a guillotine choke. Augusto Sakai shakes off a four-fight losing streak. He defeats Don Tail Mays, decision 30-27 across the board. And Brendan Allen submitted. You heard it right. Brendan Allen submitted Andre Muniz who's actually one of the better submission grapplers in the world. And what's weird is this kind of almost reminds me of when Fluffy submitted, uh, I forget homeboy's name, but uh, the other guy that's really, really good at at, uh, mm-hmm. at submissions. I can only imagine what that prop bet must have paid. Oh, yeah, probably more. But that uh, <laughs> that was an interesting fight. Like It just seems like sometimes some of these guys who do have that heavy jujitsu game when they tend to tire, yeah, uh, that that's just it. I don't know if they phone it in or what. I just think they become exhausted, and, and a good mixed martial artist can take advantage of that because it's ballsy to even really attempt that. Because if, if you screw up, it could put you in a bad position where now you're giving him the opportunity to capitalize on you. So it's a ballsy move, um, but it ended the card in a in a in a good way. After you know we were robbed of a main event that we all kind of wanted to see that i think probably would have left us feeling the same right those guys would have been throwing bombs out there uh so good on them for taking advantage of that good on on dana white giving bonuses to all the the finishers right he did Uh, that was pretty good overall i thought the fights were interesting they were fun they were i can agree Uh, having all the promotions in action kind of spreads everyone thin. So sometimes you're just catching up on some stuff through fast forward or social media or just tuning in for one fight. We haven't even gotten to BKFC. I'll get to that in just a sec. But um, either way, yeah, Brendan Allen stepped up. Brendan Allen had a, a top position, you know, that mounting somebody with the skill level of Andre Muniz, that's a little scary because – if Muniz is tired, but he's on top, he's going to find a way to stay on top and basically nick the round and win. Well, if it's 1-1 going into the third, which we thought it could be Brandon Allen, 2 nothing, but we also thought it could be 1-1, so you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very ballsy of, of Brandon Allen to do that, and he pulled it off, so I got to give him a shout-out. But you saw it goes. 
when he took his back, the, the angle was kind of like off a little bit. He, he couldn't get the proper squaring, couldn't get the hooks in. You were saying may, maybe if he was securing him with a little bit of a body triangle or something. But as we're talking that through, next thing you know, he goes underneath the chin and, and Muniz tapped. And yeah, a lot of it did have to do with the exhaustion. And that a lot of it had to do with Adolfo Vieira. That's the guy that whose name I couldn't mm. uh, would come back to me there. He lost about two years ago to Fluffy Hernandez off a of, uh, submission as well. Man, has it been two years since that happened? Yeah, that was Holy crap. 58 when uh, Fluffy Hernandez defeated Adolfo uh, Vieira. Yeah, I mean, he, he took a risk there, uh, possibly giving up a really bad position, especially with kind of the fight won. You know, the fight was in his favor if he just sort of hung on, but he went for that that finish. And that that finish netted him an extra fifty k, which is totally worth it. But uh, but there was a little bit of danger, right, in what he did. That's a good point. If he wins, does he miss out on the fifty k? He would then have to rely on fight of the night, right? Right. Yeah, that's a good point, right there. I didn't think of that. He didn't know that. It's I don't think Dana told him before that that's what was taking place. But let's hear fight of the night. There was no bonus, and the reason was because they decided to bonus all the um. All the finishers, which was Allen, Suarez, Malat, Peak, Levitt, and Selecki. Uh, by the way, I, 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 again, man, don't get me started, but remember Perth? How magical Perth was? The crowd, mm -hmm. the sellout, how loud it was. You know, and there was a few guys that missed out on, on uh, 50,000 bonuses over there, and, and I'm sure that was a huge gate. It's just that because you're in a certain mood, you're all of a sudden going to give it to these guys, but not those. That's the part where I would love to see a little bit more consistency, you know, because this is totally not consistent. True. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But uh, And I would be going to bat these yeah. guys if it happened in Perth and not here. I'd go, well, what, it's, what fault is it of these guys? If you got told these guys they were going to Perth, they would have gotten on a plane and go. It's not like they have to pay for their own flights. You cover it. So it's just a matter of is everyone getting their fair shake of being on a pay-per-view where all of a sudden the car pops, there's a sellout, there's gate records or whatever. So there's not. So rather than do that, then just pick something pretty consistent and reward some of these fighters. You know, some of them it's going to pay off. Some of them may have gone. It, it was their fight, and then they lose their next three, and that fifty thousand just happens to be their down payment on a house. They're out of your life. They're out of the UFC. Okay, we get that wrong. But one of these might turn that fifty grand into like a trip to, to, to Thailand to tighten up their game, a trip to Brazil to tighten up their game, a trip to Holland to tighten up their game, or back to college, you know, and, and, and getting in the wrestling rooms to tighten up that part of the game. And next thing you know, this person winds up being a star all because you did bonus them or whatever. So sometimes it'll work out. Sometimes it won't. There's there's no way of predicting it. But I still think some sort of consistency, I think, would pay off for them. That's a word, consistency. That's what they lack a lot, not just in the bonus structure, but just overall as a company. Uh, I think people would be fired up about that. You, you would. I mean, look at what they did at Victory, right? And how that kind of changed uh, the way fighters fought. And you look at the statistics that they had to back that up. I think he would get what uh, what he's asking for from, from fighters if he would lay that out there like that. Yeah, Victory Fighting Championships. That's right, with Ryan Stoddard. Uh, mm -hmm. He said that he his structure of bonusing the finishers um it, it was being paid off because his promotion was getting more finishes and um he also had the i believe the square right the the square cage square cage yeah Remember there were certain corners that really looked like traps like you really couldn't get out of them mm -hmm. those were pretty interesting all right that, that's what made pride kind of interesting and i think that's probably that's part of why some of the pride fighters had problems when they got to the UFC was they could trap you in those corners, you know, especially a guy like Vanderlei Silva, he could trap you in that corner. Um, but in, in the octagon, you know, you can always circle out and in victory fighting championships, that was a problem. That corner was a problem for a lot of fighters. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right. So we also had bare knuckle fighting championship 36. I'm not going to spend too much time on the card, but some MMA peeps were on this card. Primarily in the main event where Alan Belcher defeated Arnold Adams, excuse me, Arnold Adams 
and he became the new heavyweight champion for Baron Knuckle Fighting Championships. This is the guy that I guess a guy like um, Ben Rothwell will now be aiming for. Right, but apparently so is Lorenzo Hunt, right? That's yeah, but I think Lorenzo Hunt's got he's got to do that replay with yeah. uh, Mike Richmond, man. That that just it, oh man, that was such a great fight. They just need to run that one back. True. And Hunt's playing with with house money because a he's got two titles, and b the worst that can happen is Richmond wins and they still have to fight the trilogy. Mm-hmm. So he should probably be more interested in that than. Uh, Although I would rather face Belcher than Ben Rothwell if I was a heavyweight. I mean, Belcher oh, yeah. was middleweight, for crying out loud, in, uh, when he was fighting the UFC. Now, he was a big dude, but I think Rothwell's just a more mass to deal with. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to him. Co-main event had Bobby Taylor defeated James Zilly. That was bare-knuckle fighting championships for you. And then today we had Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. Um, I did not order it. Excuse me. (coughs) A little sick here, folks. I did not order it. I came close to ordering it, but I didn't. And I just had to make a decision. Um, I like Jake Paul. He's grown on me. I root against him when he fights the MMA guys because I'm team MMA. But it doesn't mean like I hate Jake Paul. There's a lot of things that I cracked me up about him i think he's been incredible in the sense that i mean they get the six and oh and have the fun that he's having and getting paid and he's helped a lot of others you got to respect that um and and then his brother like just amazing over at wwe honestly i really really tip my hat to these dudes um this is the first time he was fighting someone that had more boxing experience or, or any boxing experience really i mean other than like I think Anderson had a couple boxing matches, and but no more than you can count on one hand. This guy was, I think, eight no going in. Tommy Fury, and mm-hmm. um, but I was watching a few watch-alongs, and it was pretty fun. Uh, shout out to MMA Weekly. Shout out to Henry Cejudo. Shout out to Michael Bisping. I kind of jumped around. They were all doing watch-alongs for this, and all of them were screaming and yelling. It was going back and forth. Um, in the end, Tommy Fury won via split decision over Jake Paul. Two cards of 76-73. And what was the other one? I thought I could memorize it. Sorry. The one call was for uh, Jake Paul. And then the other ones were, it was 75-74 Jake Paul and two 76-73s for Tommy Fury. So this took place in Saudi Arabia. And that's why this thing happened like around noontime on the Pacific time zone. But again, Twitter was blowing up. The watch alongs were cool. So I think Jake Paul delivered. Sounds like they want to run it back. And I'll give Bisping this. He made a good point. After the fight was over, he goes, what I want to hear from Jake Paul at this point is just pay the man some respect and we'll all give you 50 bucks for the rematch and leave it alone. And for the most part, he did goes, but yet again, I'm not making any excuses, but, and then he says he was sick and injured, you know, at that point, just say, man, I was a little sick and a little injured, but that, you know, that doesn't mean he wouldn't have kicked my ass, but don't preface it by saying I wasn't making any excuses because that's an excuse. Right. I mean, I didn't watch the fight, but apparently it was somewhat close. And um, if you're going to lose, I think this might be the guy you want to lose to, Tommy Fury, who's got some boxing experience, uh, because that still kind of opens you up for that MMA world, right? But the question is now, how does Jake perceive himself? Because he could just lose to Tommy Fury, kind of walk away from that and go back to beating up a few MMA guys and probably make some big pay-per-views. Um but it seems like he kind of does consider himself a boxer. And I think he wants to come back and beat a, another boxer. So from what I can gather, it seems like his mindset is let's get that rematch in, which that kind of leaves Nate Diaz asked out, right? Well, yeah. 
a little bit, but I, I, I didn't see Nate Diaz like all over this either. Um, I don't know if that guy just has a weird way of negotiating or like he hasn't shown much interest in part three for Connor. And you know, Poyer wanted some of them. He never really warmed up to that one either. Let's not forget Poyer and Connor sold 1.8 million pay-per-views and 1.6 million pay-per-views. Nate and Connor sold one point. Let me get this right. One point six five, and I think the other one was about one point two. So Poirier and Connor have sold more than Connor and Nate. So for Nate to dismiss Poirier, it doesn't really make too much sense. Poirier's a name. He was the other half of Connor. Mm-hmm. Poirier could argue. I was a better B-side than you were, you know? Now, granted, he was ESPN era, and the other guy wasn't. But I just – I thought we would have heard more from Nate Diaz at this point. Maybe he was waiting for this fight, and maybe he was ready to pounce on this one. Who knows? But for me, I think, it was. I, I think Jake Paul is better off fighting Tommy Fury if he thinks he can beat him. Now, I was listening to Cejudo because Cejudo's become a little bit of one of my favorite strategists. He'll tell you what's happening, but he'll tell you what he's watching. He was saying – it seems like all he has is that overhand right. He hasn't really developed the left hook. His footwork just really doesn't seem to be on level for, you know, what a boxer should be who's 6-0. and See, a boxer that's 6-0, and like Jake Paul is, he's also probably like 220 in amateur fights. Jake Paul didn't have that amateur background. So he's 6-0, and but it's not the even – it's not the same 6-0 and of others who have developed – great habits through golden gloves through maybe Olympic trials. And then, you know, the, whatever circuits there are until you get to that level. And, you know, so maybe he just might've met his match here or whatever. Um, Maybe Nate is the better play, but I just think when I was listening to him, it seemed like he was like, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to get this guy. He wants to get this one really, you know, he wants to get this one back. Um, remember, Conor McGregor wanted to be a champ champ. He was holding Jose Aldo's belt, which became his belt. And he said, I'm going to fight RDA. RDA got hurt. He fights Nate, loses to Nate, and he was more consumed with Nate than trying to chase down that belt. Remember? It's like his priorities. Mm-hmm. I see the same here happening with Jake Paul. I think so, too. I think that's the avenue he's going to go. And I'm from what I read, I didn't see too many people complain or have a bad time. So I'm more inclined. What's up? It was worth it, apparently. People were saying, hey, yeah. that, that they delivered, they entertained. So I'm more inclined that if they do have a rematch to order it and watch it. Yeah, me too. Um, a few things here that we're going to clean up. Tatiana Suarez came back and won. She beat Montana De La Rosa, who's been around the flyweight division for a while. She's not at the top of the flyweight division, but I think we can say, well, that's a respectable name. And Tatiana looked pretty damn good. Remember, she's battled cancer, knee injuries, neck injuries, back injuries, a lot, almost four years. But she came back and did very, very well. However, here's the confusing thing. She's 10-0. and 0. She's a former Ultimate Fighter winner. But most of her wins have come at strawweight. This one was at flyweight, which one would think, well, do you want to continue with this? She says no. She wants to focus in on Strawway. She called out Rose Namajunas. However, Rose is teased even moving up to 125. What do you think should be next for Tatiana Suarez? I also realize we're going to talk about this a little bit more on spinning back click. So, you know, pick an angle of what you want to cover here. I think that after three years, your body changes a lot, okay? She seemed very filled out at, at 125. To me, she looked really comfortable. And I don't know how much her game is going to change three years later, going back down in weight. Uh, to me, I, I would stay at 125 and have that card of if things don't go well, then go back down. But uh, right now, I don't see why she can't just keep doing what she's doing. I thought she looked amazing physically. Yeah, and plus she could probably take a fight on short notice because it'd be 10 pounds less that she'd have to mm-hmm. knock off by staying ready. Um, 
doesn't have to push herself as hard training wise to always keep her body, you know, at a lower weight. Uh, sometimes that can lead to injuries. I just she seems more comfortable to me at 125. I suppose that if Dana were to tell her, "Hey, you're next for Jean Lee, it's going to be hard to pass that up. But if she's not next, I agree with you. I think she should stick to 25 and get to 115 at some point once your run at 125 is over. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Dana White saying he is warm to Volkanovski versus Makashev rematching, but not right away? He'd like to see Volkanovski versus Yair Rodriguez and Makashev versus whoever. Is that kind of what you've settled in on now that it's been a few weeks since that huge fight out in Perth? It's sort of the right answer. It's it's one half of the right answer, I think. To me, the right answer is unless Volkanovski is going to make a living at 155, then I don't see the reason for the rematch. I, I mean, it can happen again under the same premise that there's nobody left, um, which there really was, but I get how they sp- spun that a little bit. But I would want to see Volk being a 155 or full time in order to see that rematch take place. Otherwise, Volk's got to go back to 145 and just completely decimate that division before I would be interested in that. But even then, it's like 155 is so competitive too. Right. Um, if they hadn't made that interim bout, and if Yair hadn't knocked it out of the park, <coughs> I'd probably be like, you know what, guys? I'll, I'll just roll with whatever you guys want to roll. I'm trying to. I'm tired of trying to figure you guys out. I always feel like it's better for each champion to just address their division, but they're in different boats because Volkanovski's got five title defenses. Makachev's mm-hmm. only got one, and it was a great fight. I'd love to see more of it. But Yair did look good. He's part of a country that backs its sporting athletes, and I think we can get a lot of athletes from Mexico and MMA. I could see how that could be big for the promotion and the sport. So I kind of see one. I want. I do want to see Volkanovski. Excuse me against. Um, Yair. If Yair had delivered a dud, then I'd be like, well, you know. And I hate to keep picking on Jeremy Kennedy, but if Yair had kind of won like Jeremy did where it wasn't much umph, then maybe I'd be like, mm-hmm, you know. But, God, he looks so good, man. I, I, you don't understand. I really thought Josh Emmett was going to be the one that could give Volkanovski one hell of a fight because I knew he could stand with him. I didn't, I didn't think he could beat him. I'm not going to go that far. But... I don't know, man. Fucking Yair was awesome. <laughs> he looked great. He yeah. looked great. And he has that type of attack that uh, you never know. You know, Volkanovsky got touched in that fight. If Yair does the touching in this fight, it, it could be possible that he could put him out. I forgot to mention, there was one other organization in action this weekend. KSW79, good friend of the show, Todd Duffy. Fought Phil DeFries. Phil DeFries has quietly become a huge champion for them out there at KSW. This is like his eighth title defense. And DeFries lost to Todd Duffy in the UFC about 10 years ago. It was so long ago, it was called UFC 155. We're at UFC 285 coming up here next Saturday. Um, Todd hadn't fought in about three years himself, and it looked that way. DeFries just looked great. And Todd Duffy paid him a lot of respect. I'm not talking shit or nothing. They're technically 1-1, so I suppose mm-hmm. somewhere down the road they could fight. But DeFries is saying, you know, I wouldn't mind finding Alistair Overeem. Man. I mean, anything that includes the Ream, how could you not want to see it? But I just feel like he's in that spot where he's already done a lot for the sport. For it to grow as an individual, he's accomplished a lot. Just enjoy life, Alistair. Like that that's what I want to see. I, I don't want you never know what that next knockout could do. And I don't want to see him go through that. What if Alistair goes, My daughter's all grown up. She wants to be a pharmacist. It's about 150 grand for four years. I slipped up with the IRS. I owe them about 80 grand. And uh yeah. 
And these guys are offering me 500K. Do you play? <laughs> yeah. I think KSW is talking about another stadium show. They claim to have the record of 57 and change, which is more than the 56 and change in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they're they going to do another stadium show in the summer. DeFreeze versus Overeem, that would be big, man. In Warsaw, Poland. Um, that's what they're talking about. But anyway, for now, DeFreeze gets the win over Todd Duffy. Let's end with this because I am dying here. You went to the Stephen Bonner Celebration of Life today. I did. I did not attend. I, it was my plan to, folks, but as you can tell, I'm not faking it. I'm under the weather. So I backed out. A, I just wasn't feeling up to it. And B, well, what do they say? You can get others sick, too. They wouldn't be too thrilled about you coughing all over them. So uh, I watched it online. But, goes, you were there. What were your thoughts about the celebration of life for Stefan Bonner? You know, it was a sad event. Um, I thought what the UFC did was phenomenal. Like the way they uh, set up the apex, the pictures that they had on on display, even um, the stage where, you know, less than 24 hours ago, there were fights going on. The The whole apex looked so much different. And I didn't even realize this until I saw a picture later on but the stage that they were on was like on, on set on an octagon with his picture of it. It looked amazing. They had fresh flowers and everything, and his family was there. Uh, you could kind of see people before the event. Like you could see Forrest, and you could see Dana. And they looked kind of nervous to go up there and speak. And they had their teleprompters, you know, so you could kind of read their speech before before they even said things. And I wasn't a big fan of that because I don't know. Stefan had this personality that was just so endearing that I felt like you could speak about him just from the heart, you know? And um, especially a guy like Forrest Griffin. Like, I think it would have come off a little bit more natural if he just spoke. He looked very nervous to do it. And um, I don't know, man. The cast of The Ultimate Fighter Season 1, there were a few of them there, too. I thought that was pretty cool. Chuck Liddell was there. Um, His father went up and spoke for a little bit. And you just remember, I know Stefan had his demons, and I know things weren't always the best for him. But I myself can't think of a time that he ever offended me or uh, put me down or didn't answer a text or a phone call. Uh, He was a good guy, man. And when you're sitting there and you're looking at all these pictures being put up there of him and and what he had gone through in his life, uh, it was an amazing life. But it was definitely a short life, you know. Right, right. Yeah, there was so much more for him to live. But if you didn't know who he was and you just looked at the pictures, you'd go, wow, like this dude lived one hell of a life. Um, but the UFC doing what they did and the way they did it, and you could see the way they were treating his family, it was pretty pretty cool, man. Hats off to them. Yeah, well, I watched it online. Here's the here's what I'll say about Forrest Griffin. I find him to be funny, but I find him to be funny when he's not trying to be funny. Sometimes mm-hmm. when he's trying to be funny, it just falls flat. And <coughs> I don't know if it was the production or what, but he seemed to trip over his words like he was maybe now you're telling me there was a teleprompter there. You're right. Maybe in that case, he should have spoken from the heart. And because he's Forrest Griffin. And the guy he's talking about is Stephen Bonner. I don't think anyone would uh, have any problem with him stumbling around or pausing no. or whatever. Um, Dana, I guess, is a little bit more of an official, like something a little bit more official as president of the company. So him, I could see maybe using a teleprompter. 
maybe making it brief, saying some nice things. I did like that he told his wife, Andrea Bonner, we're your family and you can always count on us. I'm wondering how that fell. If it fell on deaf ears, she seemed appreciative, but I don't know. Because there did seem like a time where Stefan had his struggles, and this was a Vegas guy. And I'm wondering if the UFC maybe couldn't have done better during those times when he was really, really struggling. Um, as you know, they took him off the WEC broadcast. I thought he was doing good there. He had the epic call of the Showtime kick. Mm-hmm. Um, could he have been a catcher <laughs> like Forrest Griffin is for Power Slap? Or just something more involved in the UFC. I guess they tried at times. You know, he did stuff for ESPN, but that's what I don't know. Without not without knowing for a fact, it's hard to point fingers. I don't know if the UFC maybe saw something that made him uncomfortable and created a little bit distance, or if maybe that's where they could have jumped in and done something about it rather than create the distance. So I'll leave it at that, and that's for others, I guess, to opine on, maybe people that know more about that. But everyone came together and said some really nice things. His best friend, I've met that guy before. What's his name again? Do you remember? Tom. Tom, that's right. Um, boy, he said some incredible stuff about Stefan, about how tough he was, how loyal he was, how driven he was. It was really inspiring, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we got shortchanged in terms of learning more about Stefan as a human being just by how driven he was, by how um, exceptional he was in terms of pushing the limits of the body, you know, and, and uh, as, as an athlete, as a friend, like we may have focused too much on the drinking or other excessive things or the po- possible brain traumas that, that, that he may have had and not enough on just, like I say, uh, how talented he was at, at, at different things. You know, he pushed himself in jujitsu. He pushed himself in boxing. You know, he was a Golden Gloves champ. He obviously fought at a high level in the UFC, but it seemed like whatever he would do, he would try and really, really do it well. I remember in pro wrestling, when he came into the studio, I thought, man, if this guy's that serious about it, he could be one of those good ones out there if his body can hold up. Mm-hmm. He can talk a good game. He's got a good look. He's tough as nails. Would he want to be away from his family for 200 shows a year and, and really, really jump into this? Some have pulled it off. Shayna Baszler's pulled it off. Others haven't, you know, but he was one guy who I thought goes could maybe really, really do well with it. I wish yeah, I mean, he had the personality for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, if you're ever in that situation, you know, where you have to speak like that, I would just say, look, just remember there's no wrong you can really say. What matters is that you're there. You're there for the, the people in question. Uh, they're looking down on you and they're seeing their friend there for them and um, just speak, you know, and, and whatever you're saying, um, you know, make notes like you don't want to forget to talk about this or that. But that's the relationship that people will remember is, you know, people remember us as the way we are, as you and I are speaking to each other right now, not as people who are reading things and all that. It's um. I'm not, I'm, I'm almost sounding like I'm shitting on it. I'm not shitting on it. I'm just saying, don't be afraid of it. Just, just be you. That's yeah. who people fell in love with you. And you're standing there for a reason because people love you and they, and you have a tie to this person. So just be who you were brought to be. And that's you. We're not saying anything. That's not true. And here's what I mean by that. If Forrest Griffin were to hear us, but then go back and watch it, he would say, you guys are right. Probably. You know what I mean? Because he stumbled a little bit, and if he had just spoken, then I think it would have been it would have come off a little bit better. But there was these jokes that he was kind of forcing in there that I think just it's timing. I, I don't know, man. I, I've seen him struggle with this before, and then there's times where 
the camera's off and you're just talking to him and he's so sarcastic. He's really, really funny. Mm. So I um can you tell me if Alex Karalexis spoke from a teleprompter? He did that dude was brilliant. Yeah. He was on season one. He had the Boston accent. So Chris Lieben spoke. He was okay. But he spoke from the heart. Um, and I believe the next guy up was Alex Karalexis. I really would have wanted to hear Sam Hogar speak. Mm-hmm. Um, he was there. Even Chuck. Chuck was there. Chuck was there, yeah. But um, I wanted to see if if Hogar would have spoke. But anyway, I want to get back to Carol Alexis. Carol Alexis gave one of the better speeches that I've heard, man, in MMA. He gave a lot of props to Stefan Bonner and how much Stefan Bonner meant to the sport, to him, to that season. And Dana White actually kind of hit on a few of those things as well, which really put the value of Stefan and, and his effort on that night with, with in 2005, mm-hmm. April 2005 with Forrest Griffin and how they saved the company. I'm glad they both did that, and they did it in different ways. Dana talking from the point of view of being an owner and the president, and then Carol Alexis as a team member. But, man, shout out to Carol Alexis. I bet you him and Tom, the, their family's going to be really, really appreciative. And that little son, Griffin, when he's older and can maybe replay that again, I think um, – He's going to feel real proud of his dad because he's going to get a chance to hear that once he's an adult and see what the impact meant. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. He did a good job. Do you think more could have shown up from season one? The DFC, Dana Dana said we sold 500 tickets to the public and that we invited all of season one but the way he said it convinced me that there would be at least 500 public members or pe- people from the public there along with most of season one. Mm-hmm. But season one only looked like they had they had like five people there. Yeah. And now I know Mike Swick is battling his own health issues and he's in Thailand. But Diego Sanchez is about an hour flight away and he was real tight mm-hmm. with Bonner. I really wanted to see Sanchez there, and I'll tell you why. Because I thought that would be a good time with, for maybe him and Dana to have maybe one final talk. Yeah, not necessarily that day, but maybe the next day. And, you know, of the cast members, he he was pretty close with Stefan. So. Yeah, and I was wondering why. Maybe did they reach out to Koscheck and he declined? Did they re- who else did they reach out to? Like, you know, I know that Jason Thacker was the one guy that was hard to get a hold of. I think Bobby Southworth was there, right? I think I believe so. Logan <laughs> Cade had passed away, right? So obviously he couldn't be there. Um, trying to think who else we're missing. What, what Nate Quarry, Kenflo, Nate Quarry. Quarry maybe is a tough one because he's involved in that big yeah. lawsuit against the UFC. But I think you got to put these things to the side when it comes to this type of thing. You know what I mean? Couture mm-hmm. might fall in that same category as as Corey. Maybe they were invited. Maybe they declined. I don't know. But yeah, <clears throat> no matter what, I thought Alice Carol Alexis made up for it. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, all right. I'm dying here. I know you've had a long weekend. We're gonna cut out. One last reminder that tomorrow noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. Spinning back click. You can catch that every week here on MMA Junkie. The links are on the front of the page through our social media. But the easiest way is go to YouTube, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video and subscribe. By doing that, you'll be notified when we go live, not just for this, but when we have Dana White post-fight or your favorite fighter post-fight or all the stuff that goes on pre-fight. Just go to that page, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. And you'll be overwhelmed by what you'll see in front of you. We talk to all the top fighters every day of the week. And there's all kinds of goodies in there for you. There'll be stuff with John Jones and Cyril Gunn and Valentina Shoshenko and Alexa Grasso and all that. So start there. But remember, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, spinning back click. Myself and Goes and some of our colleagues, we mix it up for an hour, talking about the latest news in mixed martial arts. And then next Saturday, March 5th, 4th, excuse me, UFC 285, 
Goes and I will be doing a watch along. Um, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, four, four prelims, and then 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the main card, which has two title fights. So we'll, we'll uh, remind you of that during the week. We're out of here. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Go out and be a champion. <laughs>